So here we are, the new album, the full album from Sangre, the same four dudes, Sergio's debut album with the band, Mas Fuerte, Que La Muerte. I love the uh, lyric video that you guys did for American Nightmare. That was sweet. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Whose idea was that? Do you guys give them any idea or you just say, here's a song, you figure it out? Or how does, how does the lyric video come together? Uh, we sent the guy, um, he's a link to the, the digital distribution, Blood Blast. He does um, videos for a lot of bands on like uh, Nuclear Blast, Unique Leader Records. Um, basically talked to the guy through email and said, here's the song. Here are the, send him all the lyrics so you can get, he can read through it and see what the song's about. Gave him a little like synopsis of what, you know, we're, we're trying to convey in the video. Even though it's just a lyrical video, we still wanted some content as far as like those news clippings and stuff for the um, school shootings. He does a lot of animation. And I thought about it, and then Mike had also hit me up and was like, we should see if he can animate the album cover, album artwork. So I got with him on that, and he was able to animate, bring that album cover to life. So if you watch that video, there's a lot of that in the background, you know, the, the, art, the artwork's moving around. And then also spliced in the media stuff, the school shooting stuff, the news coverage. And that was kind of it, man. Just kind of wanted to, to showcase the album cover, but also really show them what the song is about. You know, having the lyrics there helps a lot too. People can actually read along. I love it, man. I love like gunshots. And then you see like the, the bullets flying on the video and stuff. It's cool. It tied in lyrically like that. How long has this album been done now? You guys have had this done for a while, but now it must feel like giving birth in a way, finally getting this out. It's probably been done about a, about one year now, I would say, since we finished, like, since we kind of finalized all the editing and our final edits, I would say. Solid year of sitting on it. Does it feel like giving birth to, like, a big one, like, after eating Mexican food all night? Like, ah, uh, like that sweet relief of, like, letting one go. That usually comes through pretty quick, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit, a little bit. You know, it's kind of like letting it go, you know, like, uh, you know, finally just introducing it out. And it's not just ours anymore. It's kind of like for anybody else who, who wants to take in the album. That's so. what I love about it. It's a, it's a fully realized album with a lot of thought put into the sequencing and flow between tracks into tracks. And, you know, one track will end with, with some uh, snare drum and then the next one begins with some snare drum. And that makes it feel much more like an album, like you're going on this journey and experience. And that was something you guys put some thought into. Yeah, yeah. the one together that was cohesive and that told a story from beginning to end. You know, some of my favorite albums like Dirt Mouse and Chains are like, just so many albums where you listen to it and you go, okay, that's an album. That's like from beginning to end, it took you on that trip and it, it told a story and it, like, it meant something. You know, to where the stuff we put out in the past is always like just a song here. Oh, we recorded this song here. Oh, we kind of like that song. Let's throw that song on there. And you kind of just like, just a big mixture of stuff where it doesn't really have that song to song, like you said, how it just flows. So this time we really had a, we really wanted to put something out that meant something to us and that can be to showcase it like this is Sangre. This is us in 2020 and beyond. This is the next, the next evolution of the band. And not a concept album, but there is a little bit of a concept, a kind of a running theme throughout this album. Death, I guess, in, in different, different avenues and faces of it and the different, you know, kind of things that, that revolves around and death with the school shootings. And then also too, you know, being able to, to leave something here that once we're gone, we'll be able to live past our time here and be stronger than death and kind of leave something down the road once we're not here yeah it's, it's leaving your legacy behind something tangible something yeah. to your stamp on something that you guys all individually had a stamp on i mean i'm curious from you individually what was your proudest moment in making this album is there one riff idea or solo idea or song structure or lyric or anything that jumps out to you where you said man this is this is the thing i'm most proud of on this album i'm pretty proud of like listening to the record you can tell we've all matured as musicians and we're not just trying to fill everything with noise there's more 
more feeling to it. There's more restraint sometimes, you know, and playing for the song and creating a better song. And at the end of it, you kind of sit and listen to it and go, wow, all right, this is a really awesome album and the music is great and it has feeling in it. That was a pretty proud moment for me stepping back once it was all done going, wow, that's a really mature sound and it's still super heavy, but there's also really mellow songs and lots of singing and harmonies and melodies and grooves and hooks and all of them kind of flew in there nicely. Yeah, definitely a lot of peaks and valleys on the album. Yeah, a lot of the, the transition with the intro to 43, which we now call Silent as a Tomb. That was just supposed to be the intro and ended up being a whole song. You know, I tried putting some vocals to it. So we put vocals to it and it came out really good. Something really different from us. I mean, I've always sang in the songs, but this was a little more lighter into a heavy progression. And then 43, right after that, you know, it's all in Spanish. So for me, that was like a milestone for us to put out a song completely in Spanish and about a very strong topic in Mexico about the 43 students that went missing. So, I mean, those transitions, those songs in Death March, as heavy as that song is, like I said, Peaks and Valley, there's heaviest of heavy and there's some super mellow, moody, beautiful stuff going on in there. And it's a great accomplishment to finally put it out there to the world. Yeah, Root or Running, was it Running Out of Time? That that track is another one of those. It really shows some peaks and valleys and some singing and some screaming and kind of gives you the full package. It's a great song. I like that song a lot. Yeah, I like that song too. I think when we first wrote it, we didn't realize how long of a song it would become. I mean, I think it's like almost eight minutes long, eight minutes long. And um, But it doesn't feel like it when we play it or listen to it. It's like almost like two or three songs in one. And it kind of, it starts one place and then it transitions to a whole other place and it goes to another place after that, so. Yeah, it's kind Musically. of like after puppets or something, you know, it starts off <laughs> heavy and then kind of goes somewhere else in the middle during the solo and everything. But how about for you, Mike? Is there one moment on the album that, that really stands out to you? Is there a riff or a solo that you're most proud of? Um, I think it would be the, the, the riffs for 43, the song 43. The acoustic intro was definitely a point where I felt like this is like a good jumping off point, the way the album's going to feel, with the way it's going to sound. And then once it comes in with the distorted guitars, I mean, that riff is just, it's just really heavy with the drums and everything. It really showcases us just like playing together, you know, not anybody trying to play over each other. All right, here's how to make this sound. Let's make it sound good together. Not just, oh, the bass sounds is going to come through or the drums, just the drums or the guitar, you know. But no, we came together for that song, especially. How about for you, Sergio? First album with the band, what was the highlight for you? Is there any any bass fill or gallop or anything in there that um, you're super proud of? Well, I mean, 43 was the first song I actually started working on. It was one of the first ones. I think it was. It might have been the first one between that and uh, Bond Disorder. Those were the first two songs they sent me. So I started working on both of those. But yeah, like the intro to 43 starts off slow and then it just opens up. As soon as all of us come in together. Silent as a Tomb, it's just, man, like it's heavy, but it's like super like soft and mellow, but like, yeah, it's heavy. And then uh, running out of time as well. Kind of going into like some territories that Sangre hasn't normally gone to. Sure. But like me being like an outsider, I know what they sound like, but then at the same time, it's like, oh, this is like totally different. We spent a pretty good amount of time like thinking about part and Mike just didn't like throw any like solo on there. It's like, oh no, like take a little bit of time, like actually write something that's like going to stand out, something that sounds good. Like instead of just throwing a bunch of crap together, like, oh, we need a part for this. We need a part here. We need some solos. Just overall, probably the whole thing. A big step forward, like you guys have talked about, big maturity this time around on this album. I think that's that's the word we're all looking for and thinking of. And it's a fantastic album, and I, I, lo- I love the growth as well. And, and now that it's out there, I hope everyone 
digs it and checks it out. And man, I don't know about you guys, but uh, are you starting to go through that concert withdrawal and be curious for you guys, kind of uh, what you miss most about being on stage and your last, your last concert before this whole lockdown. Do you remember what the last one was? What was the last concert you went to before this, this happened? Uh, I went to Cult of Luna, Intronaut at the Fonda. That was like April, I think it was. Not knowing that was going to be the last one I would go to in like a long time. So it was like super amazing. This was my first time seeing Colts Luna after like years of wanting to see him. I'll remember that one for sure. Yeah, it was probably March rather than April. It was March? Yeah, yeah, yeah March. Yeah. That's well, three of us, three of us went to go see um, Opeth, I remember, at the uh, right at the beginning of March, Opeth at the Palladium. Oh, yeah. And, uh, was that? that was great. How many old songs is he doing nowadays now that he's all prog rock? Not that many. He didn't play the song I wanted to hear, which was uh, Ghost of Perdition. So, oh, uh, you know, yeah. I, I, was, I was waiting to hear it. That's why I stopped going to those shows. An old school Opeth fan. Like, I was really disappointed. Like, I mean, it was good. They're, they're a great band. They're all amazing musicians. You know, Michael's great. I mean, it's always great to see them live. They're good. They're great. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I love those old, heavy songs, man. It's, you know, it's still very melodic, but I love those old songs. The new ones, I'm not really into the whole prog thing. I mean, I like prog music, but I'm not really into their prog stuff. So I enjoyed it. I think I had more fun just the fact that I was there with the guys and was hanging out, seeing people I haven't seen in a while. But it was cool. It was nice to you know, go somewhere before this all went down. What are you guys missing about being on stage? Is it, is it the crowd? Is it the energy? Is it is it screaming your balls off? What, what, what's the one thing you're missing about being on stage? All of that. All of that, yeah. <laughs> all, all of that. All of it. All of it. I mean, being around people, you know. Yeah, yeah, the energy of the crowd, camaraderie between us and, you know, the, the good time we have when we play a show together and hanging out and yeah. all those little things you kind of take for granted. You know, we just got back from doing all those shows in Mexico and like we had no clue that we were going to get back and not be playing for months or years. <laughs> it's crazy. Talk about the Mexico run for a little bit. How many shows with Brujeria, right? Yeah. Four total. Were you able to get drunk in Mexico? I imagine the, the booze a little bit better <laughs> than uh, Europe. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was nice. It was better than Europe. Yeah, yeah. As far as the, the content and the volume. Talk about it. Yeah. Talk about it. Would you guys play? Would anyone have a tequila with the worm in it or what? No, Mike ate crickets though. First time was in Oaxaca, and so they're known for uh, their chapulines, uh, the crickets. So we went to a little little restaurant, and I thought it'd be nice to order crickets and cheese. Suddenly, nobody else was hungry anymore for crickets. They were all full. Uh, I tried them; they weren't too bad. Actually, the cheese made it worse. So you were chirping. You feel it after that? Yeah, no, yeah, right, jumping around. But they gave us a bottle of uh, mezcal. Uh, I'm about halfway through it right now, and then other than that, fighting uh, Nicholas Barker for the Jack Daniels every night or they have to hide it from me. I don't think he likes the first night I drink over three quarters of the bottle. So he started hiding it from Mike after that. Mexico City is always a, a great time when I go out there with Yeah, This time having songs there was special and it was great to have us there. And I had a great time and put on a great show and people loved it. So it was, yeah. the city was awesome. A lot of tacos there. Henry, is that how you determine a good tour? Are you like looking looking for the tacos since you're not drinking, right? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't eat red meat, so I'm kind of like just only eating chicken tacos, if that. But I'm mostly eating like quesadillas and like a lot of beans. So uh, it was kind of a lot of beans. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Get a, little, a little crazy out there. The emission. <laughs> Fight fire with fire. We, we got taken down on our plane. I forget where we were going. Where was that? Where, oh, where the plane got, where the plane got taken down and the unruly passenger was like... Oh, yeah. Oh, we had an emergency oh, landing. Plane. We're flying from Tijuana to, to Oaxaca and the plane's already running like two hours behind. And we're all sitting like in the way back of the plane by the, by the bathrooms. And I kind of see like people walking 
fast up and down the aisle. And it's like, huh, weird. It sounds like something's going on. And then I, I hear the lady say something about the flight attendant, something about blood and <laughs> not relating to us. You know, it's like, oh, that's weird. And then something's going on at the way front of the plane. There's an unruly passenger going on up there. And um, next thing you know, it, uh, they're just like, right, everybody sit down. We're going to land all of a sudden. And then you got your, some of the guys are like, oh, are we there? I'm like, we're not there. We still have like another hour. I feel like it's way too quick. And we, we descended in like to the ground. Four minutes, four minutes. We were on the ground. Police came on and, and, and they beat them up. <laughs> I mean, what else do you do? What else do you do when you get, have to, uh, when you force the, the landing of a plane? I mean, that's what's going to happen. And then we sat on the runway for another, what, hour? Hour and a half? We sat on the runway yeah, for another hour. hour. Oh, it was horrible. We thought we were going to get into Oaxaca like at 6 p.m., 7 p.m. Nice, you know, like chill. We ended up getting there like at midnight. Ended up getting there and just going to bed. Kind of, I mean. Well, we did eat, but yeah, we didn't get to unwind like at all. It was just, let's go eat, go crash out. and Bus call in the morning, get up and go do it. How was the show? Did it affect the show at all? No, the, no, the show was fun. What was the best show of the, the Mexican tour? What was the best city for you guys? What was the most fun? Uh, uh, it's hard to say. They were all good. Yeah. All great, man. Mexico City was really good. Oaxaca was really, I mean, they were all really good. Monterey was Oaxaca. cool. It was cool to get to play the tattoo convention, you know, and do that. That was really cool. I don't mm-hmm. know, man. I think it's a toss-up between Mexico Juarez City. Juarez was really good too. Florida's is cool like especially to go there and like you know there's always a they get a bad rap there about you know people going there and stuff like that so that's a that's a good town to actually go there for the first time and, and uh, you know we, we played El Paso numerous times which is right over the border and to actually go be in Juarez and play there it's like awesome. And the yeah, fans left cool. it and received you guys well and everything. Yeah. Yeah they liked it. We all we all came back so that's good. No hostile <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of shows, uh, it was great to run into uh, Josh and Sergio at the uh, Tool. When was that? Back in October, I think it was. Yeah. Tool at Staples yeah. Center. Any any highlights from the any song highlights or moment or drum solo or anything from from you guys from that show? The whole show from beginning <laughs> yes. to end. From beginning to end. Way to pick one. Yeah, you can't. Tool, I just can't pick one. You know, there's there's so many good ones. Like, what's your best Pink Floyd song? Like, I don't know, man. There's so many good ones. Sorrow. Sorrow is a great. But I'll pick one. I'll pick one. The Great Gig in the Sky is another great song. I don't think he's gonna say there was a bad one. Yeah, I don't think there was. <laughs> I didn't like the intermission. I just, they should have played through it. But other than that, it was all good. Manson was great, too. That was awesome to get to see those shows before all those tours stopped, you know? And do you guys have any thoughts on what it'll be like? Do you think it's just going to be like, you know, a 500 capacity club with 250 people in it or, or 100 people in it now? What do you think the uh, concerts are going to be like moving forward and when? And I'm hearing like fall 2021. People are, then I heard that Missouri might open up um, concerts next early next month. But I think like mosh pits is going to be, it's going to be a challenge. Who's, who's going to want to mosh? You have to bring back the whole, uh, like, what's that thing called? The hardcore dancing where there's like arms length. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's going to be social distance moshing. It's definitely going to be the punk bands that come out first. <laughs> or like those people who are doing like the drive in concerts. You know, that's pretty cool. But it's not the same feeling. You know, I mean, there's a feeling about being in a, a packed place with people that all love that same band you're all sharing that that moment there and it'll be interesting to to go to a concert without that to have to be you know six feet away from everyone and i think it'll lose some of the energy for some of that stuff i mean i guess you take what you can get but it's not going to be like you know tool and and manson where you have these places that are just packed and you can't even walk i don't think we'll see that again for a long time yeah, they're going to have to scale it down. They're going to be 100 people in a 500 capacity club or whatever the math will be, but it's going to be, you know, 
a quarter of what it can normally hold. Our ticket price is going to be, you know, that much more because you still have to pay for, you know, sound and security and this and that. And instead of having 500 tickets to make up that money, now you only have a hundred. All right. You know, so it's like our prices for concert tickets now going to be affected by that. And it's like, okay, well, if you want to go see Manson instead of, you know, 40 or 50 or 60 bucks a ticket, you're going to be paying two or three or 400 bucks, you know, or 500 bucks. And all these bands are doing the meet and greets now. And, you know, like tool to do the VIP meet and greet or whatever. How much was a thousand bucks? a piece and those things sold out super quick are bands going to do that in the future are they going to want to put their arms around people who want to take a photo with them like you're over there take a picture like this you know i don't, I don't see the whole drunk guy coming up and hugging you and wanting you to sweating on you and <laughs> I, I think it's going to be like this i think it's going to be you know you get five minutes with danny carey on zoom or something yeah maybe even the the, the grocery store treatment where they have the, the clear panel of right there right in front of you <laughs> you hug like a plexiglass you stand in front of it like prison <laughs> little, little, little phone phone <laughs> you, can t- you can touch it right there on the screen or a hologram yeah, just go stand next to the hologram yeah, really yeah. Hologram, yeah. I, I think that's why right now it's important for bands and artists to really utilize this online stuff i mean this whole zoom thing is new to us i know it's been around for a long time but i mean it may be this is the way of the future right now at least for the time being of putting out content doing live streams doing uh acoustic series concerts in your living room concert you know i mean i don't know man it's just it's gonna be a little scary at first to see what happens because this is a lot of people's income this is their sole income yeah do you guys know anything about twitch i've heard of it i have a lot of gamers use that same thing with like patreon there's patreon too another another thing that people do interactive stuff with i know a lot of bands are starting to get into twitch like trivium at hefe the singer of trivium has a massive twitch account but uh, i know a lot of bands are starting to have twitch accounts now too i guess the the demand is really strong for them i think that that works very well for them we're just we're just trying to get out there <laughs> as much as we're playing right now but i definitely do see a lot more social media digital content you know stuff like this in the future for a lot of bands because at this point it's the only thing you can do you either don't do anything at all and just put out songs or you involve yourself in some sort of social media digital platform as far as getting yourself out there other ways yeah the one thing i noticed just yesterday or a couple of days ago that i have not seen yet i haven't seen bands do this yet. maybe i'm just not i haven't seen it but a friend of mine frankie quinones is a comedian he does this thing called total fit creeper he's <laughs> doing a, a live stream on Tuesday where you basically pay, I think it's like five bucks to join his live stream and you get to see like he's doing all kinds of little, it's just like little skits and stuff, but he's charging five dollars and people are buying it. I mean, reading the comments That's and cool. stuff. I'll see you on Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. And he's going to do like basically like a comedy, you know, a little comedy sketch thing on his Instagram live. And um, so that, that, that's the first I've seen of that where people are charging money for you to join their stream and it seems like it's going to work out for him. So I mean, maybe that's something that managers are looking to do, you know, like online concert, you know, you got to pay five bucks to join their online concert. That's only way you see them play live for the time being. Definitely. Yeah. Look into, yeah. Interesting to see how it all shakes out. Last question for you guys. And you got, you can't give no wishy-washy answer. You have to make a yes or a no, or you have to make a decision, Josh. It's kind of ironic that, you know, Slayer re- retires at the end of 2019 and then 2020 kind of turns into hell on earth. But individually, do you think Slayer will be back? Have they played their final show or will there be another Slayer concert at some point? Mike, start with you. There will be another one, I'm sure. Something. I kind of think so, too. Yeah. <laughs> they said it was the final tour. They didn't say it was the final show. And festivals, yeah. these big festivals, like Henry said, money talks. You know, I mean, sure, it might be some years, but you get one of these big festivals, you know, and download or whack in or whatever. It's like, hey, we want to pay you this much money to come out and do a one-off. I'm sure they'll do it. They're not that old. Sergio, what do you yeah. think? Yeah. 
she'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> not like full on, not like full on tours, but yeah, they'll do like the festival circuit maybe, or like a one off show here and there. But they'll do the Metallica where they're doing like four like headlining like festivals or something. But yeah, as far as like a full on like U.S. or like Europe, like world tour, like nah. I'd, I'd like to see them at the county fair. Coachella. Coachella, there you go. In a couple years. All right, here's really be the last one. Name your favorite Ozzy song and if you think he will play another show again. It's gonna be crazy train. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, that's where it all starts for me with Ozzy as far as Ozzy Osbourne, not Black Sabbath. Has he played his final show? No comment. No, come on. You you were brave on the other one. Go on for this one too. It's a nice interesting question. We'll all see what happens and so so we'll see what happens. I mean, right now we he's gotta stay indoors. We we gotta we gotta yeah, protect him for for a little, little while longer, so it's in his best interest to not play a show, maybe. I don't know. Um, I know he's on the new Trolls World Tour movie. He's the, he plays the voice of the... Yeah, yeah, I saw that. In a row! My, my five-year-old going around the house going, Daddy, Daddy, walk in a row! That's kind of funny. That she's, uh, she doesn't know who Ozzy Osbourne is, but she's running around the house doing an imitation of his voice throwing up the horns. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> Will he play live ever again? I wouldn't put it past Sharon to put him back out there somehow, roll him out, have someone come out. I, I don't know. I'll see him. We'll see him again. We'll see Ozzy. Did you say roll him out? Yeah, they roll him out. <laughs> You've watched Trolls too many times. I'd be like, oh, he's already in a wheelchair. <laughs> Jeez. Be propping him up on stage. We can have Bernie. He's freaking it on these. Ah, ah, Roll him out on a dolly. <laughs> I'm sure Sharon's already recording uh, his hologram now. She can continue to put him to work after he's gone. Well, guys, it's been a blast uh, catching up with you, and I hope you all stay safe and sane throughout this process. Thank you for the amazing new album. Everyone should go check it out, listen to it, and, of course, stay safe, wash those hands, and uh, don't run out of toilet paper. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, man. We'll chat again soon. We'll chat again soon, man. Take care. All right. Take care. Later. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now do me a favor and subscribe to it. Radioactive Mike Z, available on all the major platforms. And while you're at it, follow me on Instagram at MikeZ967 and I'll follow you back, bro. Most importantly, don't miss the show, Wired in the Empire, every Saturday night, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on 96.7 KCAL Rocks.